0: It's time once again to go Behind the Connection, a show that gives you a behind-the-scenes look at what we're doing here at LCC Connect. When we created LCC Connect in 2022, it was our intention to create a podcast platform and a radio program that would connect our college with the community and our community with the college. Since then, we've developed over 20 podcasts that are all fronted by members of Lansing Community College or activists within the mid-Michigan community. This is Dedalian, and today I am pleased to welcome the newest member of our team, and even though he's a left-handed guy, he's become my proverbial right-handed man here at the station. He started back in October of 2023 as LCC Connect's production and operations assistant. His name is Jeremy Robinson. I don't know why I had a hard time saying that.
1: Hey, I'm happy to be here, man. Thanks for having
0: yeah, me. Yeah, welcome to the show, and welcome, of course, to LCC Connect. And like I said, you've been here since uh, October, and mm-hmm. we wanted to give you a little bit of time to get your feet wet before we actually pulled you onto the show and uh, talked a little that. bit. So, yeah, Jeremy is the name. Yes, let's let's start there because this is that thing when when I was like sending you know all the information that we needed to do uh, here at the college. I'd type out Jeremy and everybody would think it was a typo. So this has to be like an ongoing thing for you your entire life. Yes.
1: Um, I dealt with plenty of checks, first checks. Yeah. That said Jeremy. Yeah. Yep. And I have to just, you know, wait an extra week to get paid. Yeah.
0: And we should probably elaborate on this because it's like, even as I say Jeremy, it Uh sounds like you're saying Jeremy sometimes, Right.
1: Right, it's it's something I think is when something is so common and you change it, it's hard for people to want to switch.
0: Right. So why why did you end up with the name Jeremy instead of Jeremy?
1: Um, shout out to my mom. Um, yeah. she's an awesome individual. If it wasn't for my mom, my name would have been Albert. Albert. Albert.
0: Albert, not my Albert. Da-
1: my dad wanted to name me Albert. Ah. So thank you, mom, for naming <laughs> me Jeremy. <Jerini. laughs> And not Albert. And shout out to all the Alberts out there. No, no shade to you, but I do not want to be called Albert.
0: All right. Well, yeah. There you go. And uh, Jeremy, uh, you are a product of the Lansing community and Detroit as well, right?
1: Yes. Yes. So,
0: so give me a little bit of background. Where does Jeremy come from? What's the story? All
1: right. Quick background of Jeremy. Born in Lansing, Michigan. Four years old. My mom took the buyout from GM. Pretty much, you get a lump sum so that you can go do whatever you want. She bought a house in Detroit. So at four years old, I lived in Detroit from four all the way into my freshman year of high school and which um, dealt with a pretty tough high school. My godmother gave me an opportunity to move to Lansing. So I took the opportunity, came to Lansing, to Waverly High School, been here ever since.
0: And you stayed in Lansing ever since then. Yes. Yeah. What's your home life like?
1: Home life, a proud dad, two kids, a son, a daughter. And I'm the cook of the house. So I get to cook meals for everybody every day. I have my own studio. So I produce music in my studio at my house. I have a lovely wife. Shout out to Coach Cha Cha if you're listening, what you I'ma make you, so you're gonna enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Done with love, of course.
1: Yeah, with love. You,
0: you know? Got to meet your son yesterday. That was actually pretty cool. That's He's my guy. Seems like a good kid.
1: He makes it easy. You yeah. know, easy to be a father. I just gotta do like the fatherly things like, all right you know make sure you do this but behavior wise no issues
0: yeah you create a lot of beats and stuff is he getting into that
1: he's showing like the natural ability to like that but he's really an engineer okay he loves tinkering with things so i, I don't want to be the father where i want you to do exactly what i do follow my footsteps uh, i want him to naturally show me what he likes and then i want to put him in the best situation to be able to follow those things
0: gotcha I did want to ask you outside of your family, you know, we talked about the beach. You do that kind of a thing. What are the other things that Jeremy gets into, like, when he's not at work?
1: When I'm not at work, I'm a big video game person. Hmm? So I love video games.
0: What do you usually play?
1: A little bit of everything. Um, I was a little bit of a, I I I'll say a jack of all trades. At school, I was a nerd. At the same time, I was an athlete. Okay, So I could play with the, I I could hang with the kids. They play with the magic gathering cards but then I could go play basketball with the best of them. So, all right, all right. so I was pretty all around. So when it comes to game, I play RPGs, basketball. Okay, yeah. You yeah. Know, so I'm a little all just all around. I like whatever is, is cool. I like it. If it's good, it's good. That's all my right.
0: model. I know you got other stuff you want to share too, but before we dive into that, I, I got to share a little bit about me. Recently went to clean out my attic, and I ran across my PlayStation 2. Ooh. Yeah, it, I and I haven't kept up with gaming, obviously, if I'm still owning a PlayStation 2. But it was one of those things where I pulled it out. I like set it up and stuff. And I was like, I wonder if this thing still works. No, no, it wasn't working at all. (laughs) I actually took the time, I think probably a good uh, two or three days playing with it off and on, trying to get it to work. And I finally got that sucker going. It's pretty cool. (laughs) um, And I hadn't played it in forever.
1: PlayStation 2 was when we as gentlemen learned how to fix stuff. Because yeah. you didn't have money to go get another one. So right. You right. Know how to make that laser work, the laser go out. We researching, figuring out how to <laughs> fix it. Yeah. But yeah, we PlayStation Two great memories.
0: And I know, like you said, you you have I mean you've got other hobbies, and I, I know you've got one interest that both of us also connect with. And I'm talking specifically about comics and of course uh, superhero movies. You dig those, right?
1: Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I'm a huge Marvel fan. I, I like DC. Um, But more Marvel than DC. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. It's because that's what I was exposed to. Me and my cousins used to um collect cards. That They used to have these Marvel cards. And my cousin had the, like, booklet full of the the first Wolverine, the full team cards. So that's how I gained most of my Marvel knowledge. It was, I read some comics, but mostly from reading the cards. Yep. Because I had so many of the cards, the Gambit, all the full teams, the... I knew who Scott Summers' brother was because of reading the cards. Mm. So before, like they reveal stuff in the sh- in the movie, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. And so it was cool to see it in live action.
0: I had the same thing. I had the uh, the Marvel Universe comics, so you you know explained each and every one of them. So that was, mm. that was cool too. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's cool. Real good backstories. I recommend it.
0: You know, the funny thing is, is what stood out about you when we were interviewing everybody. You had a very positive attitude. I mean that with all due respect to all the other applicants because they were, you know, it was strong competition. Uh, but it was your positive attitude that came forth. I think during that, though, it has always been a, a struggle for me to explain exactly what LCC Connect is. And I don't even know that you quite understood what it was that we were doing either. <laughs> nope. and, and that again, that's not just you. I don't think any of the other applicants quite knew at that point. So now that you've been here for a little bit, How would you explain what we do here at LCC Connect to somebody who has never heard of
1: it? I I would say that LCC Connect is a platform. It gives people an opportunity to share their story or whatever thing that they would love to share in a podcast form. Mm -hmm. I would say empower It empowers people to have the ability to record and share stories or to create a show. So it's really cool. It's real community based and it's something that I'm very excited about because I believe that with creative minds, we can make it even bigger than it is now because we now have the ability to have two minds to create shows or actually share more people so they actually know what connect is so that people can really utilize this service that's here at LCC to create the stories of different people.
0: Definitely, definitely, yeah, helping get the stories out there. And, of course, a lot of that's focused on Lansing Community College, but we extend it to the community as well. We've got a couple of community shows at this point, and we're hoping to bring on more. Uh, Always open to that. Since you have been here, you kind of got an idea of what we do. Well, actually, you've got a great idea of what we do now. You've explained it very well. Is it what you
1: expected? No. um, I just knew I wanted to get a job in my field. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you did graduate with the audio degree, right? Yes, I have
1: a bachelor's in audio production from Full Sail University in Florida. Okay, it was very hard, especially in Michigan, because it's not a lot of musical and audio booming places here. So you kind of gotta kind of get in where you fit in. You bet. Um, so it to to get this opportunity was huge to me to be able to finally get something that will will say, "Hey, I'm doing something that I love." Because I come to work and I'm like, I feel like I'm cheating.
0: <laughs> like how do you found you find you're cheating how do you mean how do you because
1: mean? like all the other jobs like i'm like oh i gotta go to work oh it's work okay like here's like for, first of all the culture here is so welcoming
0: are you talking about lansing community, lansing community college, college yeah, yes yeah.
1: the just the last time i was talking about the culture first then i talk about the job so the culture um i've never been at a job where it's not like you have to everybody is, need to do their job but it's not high pressure it's, it's like, am I gonna get in trouble? Like, I, I'm just, I, I got mm-hmm. this, you know, I'm so used to jobs where they're watching you, they're micromanaging you, and they're hard on you because they're watching your every movement. Even when you do the right thing, they still find something to, you know, make the you nitpick, feel, on, the yep. nitpick on you. Where yeah. here it's like, man, I, I feel so welcome. I'm like, I, I wanna do better. Like, where can I grow at? Because you know, y'all making me feel like you trust me so much. I wanna make sure I get my best and make sure I'm growing. I can um, appreciate
0: that. And and I can also tell you that, you know, when a mistake is made, uh, there's acceptance. It's not always uh, you know, like the end of the world.
1: Yeah. And and that's as adults, that's how we should treat each other. Definitely. We I, all,
0: as adults and children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The facts,
1: the facts. And we all should respect each other, show that love to each other and, and know that we're all trying to grow and we got the same, you know, goal to all have success and build where we're working.
0: Yeah. And I'm always hesitant to uh, refer to any place that I work as uh, a family environment, but it does give you a little bit of that vibe from time to time. Yes.
1: And I, I know a couple of people that I've came across that I know just because in Lansing, I do a lot of things around town DJing and just being active in the community. So a lot, a lot of people that came to do shows, I'm like, Oh, I I know her. I know her. (laughs) And it was super cool. Like to see people that I know, and it was kind of like a confirmation thing, like yeah, you're supposed to be here.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's get back to the job. Was it what what you, you expected?
1: Yeah, it wasn't what I expected. I I didn't know what was gonna happen. I just knew I wanted to do a job. But when I got the job, and I'm like, I'm editing audio. Like this is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did this. It's actually like this is kind of easy. But the hard part was learning like your process, right? Because I'm really big on it's not about me. It's about what is expected so far as the job and learning how to do that the right way instead of being like, Oh, I, I got this degree. I know how to, it doesn't matter.
0: Well, and you've been able to utilize that degree yes. from time to time. There's been a couple of things that, uh, you know, you, you've experimented with a little bit. Uh, we had the one, uh, it was an interesting interview where we had a lot of boom action in there right. And, and it was out of our control. It wasn't something we could do. But you, you managed to actually, like, tailor it a little bit so that the equiness wasn't there as much and it wasn't right. as bassy. Right. So you've been able to utilize it a little bit. And, of course, uh, you know, as we're talking about it, for me, I didn't do audio. I did broadcasting. And right. broadcasting is all about making sure everything's uniform and that it's always consistent. And you've been great on picking up the, the baton and running Thank with that. You. So you've been doing a great job with it. So uh, you kind of already answered it. I, I don't even know if I can ask it, but what's the most exciting facet of the job that you've found so far?
1: Uh, the exciting thing is I'm the kind of guy that likes variety. Okay. Um, my favorite food is chicken tenders because I could change the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can make it whatever I want. I can make it sweet and spicy, mild. Very good. Uh, so – This job allows me to have variety. A lot of variety? Yeah, like you never know, you know, anybody can come in here and start a new show, create something new, and then there's different layers to it. So Mm -hmm. you're not just doing the same thing all the time. You're able to kind of step away and and take on tasks.
0: One of the things that I like and that I've found is is after I feel like I've got everything down, something new comes about that makes me go, okay, i got to learn something new.
1: <laughs> That's audio, period. It's yes, always, it is. It's always something to learn.
0: It is. It is. All right, so overall, what's your life philosophy? If, if you were to summarize it in one or two sentences, what is
1: it? My my philosophy, treat others as you want to be treated and love life and love the people that want to live life with you.
0: That's good. That's yeah. good. Well, again, his name is Jeremy Robinson. He is officially a part of LCC Connect as our uh, production and operations assistant. And I do greatly appreciate having you on board. You do not know how much I appreciate having you here.
1: (laughs) I appreciate being here. You don't understand what situation I just came from to come here to this environment where I mentally am healthy. All right.
0: We are going to finish off, as we always do here on Behind the Connection, with the random question generator. This is from <laughs> the good go. folks at, uh, I, th- I believe it is, the University of Washington. So I'm going to click the uh, question generator, and we're going to find out what comes up.
1: Hey, let's go. What was your best birthday? Hey, we can do this, okay? <laughs> you got this so, already? Yep, I got it. This, it sticks in my mind. I would have to think about this. No, man, because, like, I, I grew up poor, man, so there's certain things that – like just sticks out heavy, my mom she sacrificed she did some cool stuff for me one of my favorite birthdays um the PlayStation the original the original, yeah, it's a store called Blockbuster. I don't know if anybody remember it oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, but Blockbuster used to be able to rent like game systems because back then a lot of people couldn't afford. I remember the PlayStation was a thousand dollars it was something ridiculous like that like it was a high back yeah, back when they yeah, first when they released first it. released yeah it, yeah, it was ridiculous, so you can rent them. So for my birthday, my 11th birthday, my mom rented a PlayStation. I got to keep it for 4 days. And it came with like two games and I remember like playing th- like these 3D games and like it was super super cool all my cousins came over because they're like oh he got the playstation Jenny got the playstation so like it was one of the coolest moments i was like the coolest kid at that one moment because my mom you know spent that nice amount of money to allow me to rent it and play it then i went back to my Sega genesis after that but it was you know it was a good moment
0: We are so going to get derailed here on the Chicken Tenders because my (laughs) thing is I do the honey mustard with the barbecue.
1: You do honey mustard
0: and barbecue? Uh, Together. It's a great combo, man. Oh,
1: I never had (laughs) that. I might have to try it. It sounded a little wild, but I give anything a try.
0: This is LCC Connect.
2: Voices. Vibes. Vision.
1: K-12
3: Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Lansing Promise Scholarship available to graduating high school seniors. Find information at lcc.edu hope.
4: You don't usually get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures, a stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college. This is beyond a simple donation. It's the opportunity for America to invest in its kids and take an active stake in the future of the country. The return on your investment isn't money. What you get back
3: is knowing you protected our potential. So one day, that potential can grow up to become
4: surgeons and architects, executives, and engineers, people who can change the future just by being a part of it. My name is Alicia, and
3: I am your dividend.
1: Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. A public service announcement brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council.
5: Lansing Community College welcomes transfer students. Transfer students may apply prior credits toward their LCC degree, certificate, or transfer program. Learn more at lcc.edu slash belong. LCC
3: Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. You are listening to Written in the Stars, Books and Beyond, where hosts from the LCC library sit down with writers, publishers, entrepreneurs, and literary enthusiasts of all types. Join your host, Amy Ewald, Robin Moore, John Saligi, and Abby Thibault as we explore the very heart of the written word. Welcome to Written in the Stars, Books and Beyond. I'm your host, Amy Ewald, and I have my co-host, John Saligi here today. And today we have our author, Susan Serafin Jess, and she's here to discuss her book, Wild Horses, A Crime Revisited. This book tells a tale of true passion and forbidden romance during the summer of 1967, when Sarah Barclay killed the husband of a woman she had fallen hard for. Susan Serafin Jess investigates this unique case and attempts to unravel the history behind it while mixing in her own recollections and memories. In this part true crime, part memoir, we begin to understand a very different time for young women and how our memories often tell their own version of events. Hi, Susan. Thank you Hi. for being here. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> yeah, We're happy to have you. So I want to open our discussion today with a question about uh, true crime and the genre. This is something that we see. We see lots of true crime stories, uh, movies, television, biographies all over. So why do you think people are so drawn to, to true crime stories?
6: Well, that's a good question. You know, a lot of people have looked into this, and it's mostly women women. For most of the fan base for true crime, and some people think that's because women see it as a way of learning how to protect themselves. You know, yeah, you know, maybe not walk by a white van in the parking lot. (laughs) Uh, I think um, that's just kind of a joke, but in fact, they're they're. I think they think that they are warding off evil by learning about these evil predators, and that maybe they can protect themselves that way.
3: Yeah that that's a that's a very true statement to to think about especially about women having to kind of think ahead think what's coming what could potentially come. And so this this book in particular deals with a true crime a story that happened. So so what drew you to this particular case and tell us a little bit about it.
6: Sure. Well Several years ago, my sisters and I were talking about horses. Horses were central to my mother's life. She loved horses. And we remembered back when Mom had us in 4-H. My sisters rode horses. I was afraid of horses. Sorry, Mom. I know that was a disappointment. So I showed my dog. But uh, my sisters were in 4-H, and they were part of a group, and there was an older Woman who was kind of an advisor to the group, and her name was Sarah Barkley. And I, we remembered that she had been involved in some kind of shooting. And so we were saying, whatever happened to Sarah Barkley? Because we moved out of the area a little bit after it happened, so we didn't know what the outcome was. We couldn't even remember. We knew it was a lover's triangle, but we couldn't remember sh- whom had shot whom. Um, I was pretty sure that Sarah was the shooter, but I wasn't certain... So, you know, my sisters were content to just kind of scratch their heads and wonder, but I, since I lived in Lansing, I went down to the Library of Michigan and looked in the microfilm and found old newspapers and discovered that. She had been convicted of manslaughter. She had gone to Detroit House of Corrections for a 15-year sentence, but she died not even two years in at the age of 26. So I was really intrigued by all of that and started following the
7: thread. So you mentioned you had kind of a memory of this, but your research really came from going to the library, which, of course, for me and Amy is (laughs) an issue near and dear to our hearts, Um, you talk about your research process some in the book and I was hoping you could talk more about that um, you know what you did for research and what you found what you didn't find.
6: Oh okay that's a good question. Yes I mentioned the library because that's where I started and I looked at uh, microfilm mostly Mm -hmm. but I also Uh, discovered something called a farm plat book, which I didn't even know there was such a thing. But a librarian, I said, I can't find this woman's address. In the newspapers, it's just listed as Route 4, but I can't find her in the city directory. And she said, well, maybe you need to look in the farm plat book. So I did. So that's just one example of of learning about some, what to me was an obscure source that gave me some information. Um, So I kind of exhausted everything I could from the newspapers, and I jotted down names, such as the name of the prosecutor, uh, the name of the defense attorney. And then I started trying to find these people. Well, since it had happened in 1967, and I was researching this in the new millennium, unfortunately, a lot of the people involved were dead. All three people involved in the lover's triangle were dead. Uh, But I was able to reach some people. And most people would talk to me, so that those were interviews. That was another form of research. Documents were the hardest to get a hold mm. of because everything happened so long ago that it hadn't been digitized. So I couldn't find things online. Yeah. Um, it took me several years to hunt down the appeal, transcript, and her death certificate.
7: It's interesting because um, as you were describing your research process and in the book to kind of your memories brought up a lot of memories for me too. My first job actually was at a title insurance company where I went through the farm plat books and I would like help do the title insurance for these plots of land. And so as you describe those, I remember vividly like the farm plat books, right? And so, and another thing you describe in your book is doing the research uh, maybe it's at it was at Marshall Library, a small a small library um, in that part of the state. Not at Marshall, but in that part of the state was where I had my first library job <laughs> as a librarian, and I was oversaw the local history room, so I handled those types of questions. And here I am, like fresh out of library school, and didn't really know the area or that kind of thing. And I would feel, you know, those kinds of questions that came in. So your memories have brought up like a bunch of memories with me as well. And I think that's really interesting the way, uh, memory kind of works like that. And I, and I see a lot of that in your book as well. Um, you know, kind of about memory. That seems to be another big theme of your book.
6: Definitely. Yeah, I had gone to the Marshall Library to look at yearbooks because I wanted to see pictures of Sarah and um, just to see what, you know, what girls looked like then because she didn't look like the other girls. And there was just, you mentioned getting the job just out of college. Mm-hmm. The person in charge of, of the history room, it wasn't a room, it was just an area, but it, Marshall was also a very young person, you know, and so, uh-huh. w- you know, when I was talking about this thing that it happened in 1967, I thought, well, she wasn't alive in 1967, but that's okay, she was helpful. Um, and then my friend and I also went to the cemetery, which I write about in the book, but we we couldn't find her uh, grave even though we had directions. So I've got to go back.
7: So, so you, you haven't been able to find her her grave yet at all? Oh, I think I could now. Oh, you could now. Okay, yeah. I just got Uh, busy doing other things. uh, Sure, (laughs) sure. Understandable.
6: (laughs) Memory is a a pretty big
3: theme throughout the book. Um, Actually, one quote that I, I really enjoyed was, Memory is like a game of telephone, except instead of a whispered word changing from child to child, it is whispered by a remembered version of ourself to a series of subsequent selves and arrives here in the present garbled. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so memory is very fallible. How did your own memories sort of influence your writing and influence your story? How did you incorporate them in there?
6: Yes, I write a lot about memory in the book. And you know, concurrent with writing this book and trying to find old documents, I was searching my own memory. But it was also at the same time that my mom had Alzheimer's. So I was thinking a lot about memory. And she, I I think I mentioned in the book, I asked her, do you remember Sarah Barkley? She thought hard. She said, I remember somebody raucous. That was the only word she could come up with was raucous. Um, I, I think that mostly what I, what I found myself thinking about as I was delving into my memory was what life was like for girls when I was growing up and what it was like to be a girl who was different. And in Sarah's case, she was different because she was... Uh, Well, we didn't have language that we have now. I think maybe if she were a young person now, she might describe herself as non-binary or gender fluid. I don't know. But back then, she was just kind of, she stood out in this small town as looking like a dude, you know. And they were very, even, it was a little bit loosening up by the time I was in high school. But it was really pretty restrictive about what it meant to be a girl. I think I mentioned in the book, for example, this is before high school, but in elementary school, I had wanted to be on the safety patrol, but girls couldn't be on the safety patrol. I'm still bitter about that, by the way.
3: <laughs>
6: yeah, you even do
3: mention, I think, in one point about different advertisements for women for jobs Yes. Um, during that time and the things very specific things that women were allowed to do in the, in the job and career fields and that.
7: So talking about women, girls in this time, there's a lot of parts of the book where you talk about young, young people, right? Young people, both in 1967. I think everyone in the book is pretty much a young person in 1967. You, You were a child, um, I think Sarah Barkley was pretty young, and uh, everyone involved in in the triangle in that situation was pretty young, too. Do you know how old, like, she was and the other folks involved in that? Work? Well, let's
6: see. She died at age 26, and that was oh, in 1969. Okay. So at the time when the crime happened, she would have been 23. Okay. Yeah,
7: 23. And that makes a lot of, a lot of sense, I guess, thinking about... Um, You know, you talk about their experiences, comparing it to your students' experiences, you know, in, I guess, this day and age, if you want to say. And so um, what are some of the you've talked a little bit about, like, the differences and expectations of uh, girls and young women. Um, What are some of the similarities and differences between uh, young people in 1967 and your students'
6: Well, that's a good question. As you know, as we were talking about before the show, I am retired, but it hasn't been that long, so I do remember students. And one thing that surprises me, and it's in some respects the gender roles for my students at LCC were still kind of fixed. I remember having a discussion once about that they thought that it was important that the in heterosexual couples that the man should be taller than the woman. Mm. Well, for them boys and girls. And yeah. I was kind of surprised that they would feel that way. I, I remember kind of saying, really? In 2023, you think the man has to be taller? And they said, yeah, because he protects the, the girl. And I thought, mm. oh. So, you know, some of that's still here. But on the other hand, I think that um, certainly I've had transgender students at LCC. And I think even, even those students I have from smaller towns, are much more tolerant of of people being gay than they used to. I mean, it just wasn't even talked about when I was in high school.
7: I would imagine that would be um, a challenging part of writing this book, too, because people uh, weren't allowed to identify that Mm -hmm. way then, and other people just didn't talk about it. So telling Sarah's story was probably challenging because you had to draw some inferences, but you don't want to draw too many, you know, draw too many inferences. So I imagine that was a challenge. And did you, how did you feel kind of addressing that aspect of this, the story with the information you had? Oh, you're
6: right. That was, that was a real source of, um, Concern and anxiety for me was, I don't want to out people who weren't out. Now, Sarah was dead, and I talked to enough people who were close to her who confirmed that she was lesbian, that I felt comfortable about that. But the other woman in the triangle, I don't know how she identified. She After her husband died, she did go on to marry another man. Now, um, she has also passed away, but she has children living, um, as did the man who was Shot, so I had to be very careful about the language that I used, and I, I, I don't, I don't know that I completely resolved it, but I tried to keep stating my concerns about outing people and not really know knowing, you know, it's it's on the legal record that her husband thought that she was um, having a lesbian relationship with Sarah and didn't like it. In fact, well, he, he threatened to kill her and throw acid in her right. face. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 on the record, but at the same time it's it was still also thought by Sarah's defense attorney that maybe they were using that word to prejudice the jury. So yeah, it was it was a dilemma.
3: Do you think um because you also talk a, a bit about um Sarah's trial and the court proceedings and that, do you do you think the the trial or the outcome of the trial would be different today than what
6: happened in nineteen sixty seven? I've thought about that a lot. I think so, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I like to think that we've come a long way in, in understanding different sexual or orientation, sexual orientation. But also, and this part I'm not so enthusiastic about, but there does seem to be more support for Stand Your Ground. And it seemed to me as though that's what she was doing. Um, I don't know how I always feel about that but in many places you are allowed to defend yourself if you're being attacked but as you probably know from reading the chapter about manslaughter I didn't realize it's not just a matter of oh I think this person is going to kill me I'm going to defend myself you have to be struck with fists and you have to be struck to the ground and you have to have no means of escape those three things have to be present for it to be considered self defense and Joanne and her sister, and the trial said, no, he just pushed her against the car. She didn't fall. But then another witness said that he was wailing on her. And to me, wailing is like a beating. And he was somebody else who had passed away, so I never got a chance to talk to him. I did talk to his widow. And she said that he had never talked about it with her ever.
7: It's really interesting, the differences in witness testimony um, that you highlight in this book and in a book that's about memory as well, because there's been a lot of research about, you know, witness testimony and memory and how um, reliable that is. So, again, I find it interesting to bring memory in, you know, as a theme in these big issues where memory is fallible, right? And so I don't know if there's anything else about memory that really played into this book? Because I just see it all, all, all throughout the book.
6: Well, you're right about witness memory, and I guess that that's why uh, they say that, that that eyewitness testimony is not necessarily the best evidence. I mean, anymore there's, there's DNA and, and surveillance of electronics that kind of can cinch things, but I think that eyewitnesses are, you know, their memories are fallible, um, it's also interesting the, the different language that people will use. I just mentioned about yeah. um, Mr. Dobbins being quoted in the appeal as saying that, um, that her assailant was just wailing on Sarah. And so, you know, I, one thing that I had to do often in this book was to look up words and make sure I knew mm. what, what they meant. Sure. And, you know, wailing does imply a beating. So that's what he saw but then the, in the newspaper they would use language um well i did until i got my hands on the appeal which took many many phone calls and, and it turned out that there it was right in the archives next to the library of michigan yeah. all all that time that i'd called all these different institutions um, but in the in the appeal the language is, is, that's quoted is very vulgar but that never made it into the newspapers so that people who had would have read this um, at the time, would not have known exa- that The newspaper accounts were very slanted against her um, and didn't really say uh, or show how menacing he was. So, again, that would play into the collective memory of the community. Although, as I mentioned in the book, it, in, in the community, this crime is not that well known because it was overshadowed by another crime that happened at the same time.
7: You mentioned a lot about words, and I'm sure as a writer, words are absolutely essential. And I think that, you know, definitely comes out in when you talk about the testimony and your answer there. So thinking from a writing standpoint, I guess kind of beyond this book, what are you working on now? What what are you writing?
6: Well, I just finished a book of poetry. It's called Musée, and Musée is the French word for museum. And in case you think I'm being pretentious, I'm not. Well, I kind of am. But uh, all my poetry book titles end on a vowel. So I thought, muse, I like that better than museum. It's muse. And uh, when I was teaching, for the first uh, day, we always had an icebreaker called the Museum of Me. And I would ask students to locate a personal artifact and then tell a story. So this book is artifacts from my life and the the different stories. So that's what I just finished. But I have started investigating a new nonfiction book, Mm -hmm. uh, which is about a family member whose life and death are both shrouded in mystery. There's a good word, shrouded. And so um, I had kind of frustrating two weeks trying to reach out to people and just in the last two days, a couple of people have gotten back to me. In fact, when, when we're done, I'm going to scurry home and, and call one okay. of them. So that's, that's my next project.
7: Oh. I, I look forward to that project. You had me at mystery. So I'm a big fan, <laughs> big fan of mystery and um, the true crime stuff. I really enjoy. Thanks for talking with us today. I think that it's it's been great. Your book is uh, very unique, has a very unique voice, and I like the melding of the memoir and the true crime. So thanks for joining us.
6: Thank Susan. you.
3: You have been listening to Written in the Stars Books and Beyond. Visit lcc.edu slash library to find the titles discussed in this episode. You can find previous episodes of Written in the Stars and other LCC Connect shows at lccconnect.com. In the words of Miguel de Amuno, I hope reader, we shall meet again and we shall recognize each other.
0: Connecting you with Lansing Community College. This is LCC Connect.
5: LCC. Connect. Connect. Voices. Pipes. Vision.
3: Coming in February to the Black Box Theater, Lansing Community College presents The Thanksgiving Play by Larissa Fasthorse. Good intentions collide with absurd assumptions in this wickedly funny satire as a troupe of terminally woke teaching artists scrambles to create a pageant that somehow manages to celebrate both Turkey Day and Native American Heritage Month. Performances February 23rd through March 2nd. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash show info.
2: It doesn't matter if you're 22 or 62, whether you're trying to figure out how to pay off a student loan or how you're going to pay for retirement. Maybe you're a parent trying to provide for your family, struggling to pay the bills on time. The tough economy is affecting all of us, and it can be overwhelming. There's no need to fight the battle alone. The National Foundation for Credit Counseling wants you to know there is help available for whatever kind of debt problem you're facing. The NFCC is a nonprofit organization with more than 50 years of experience. Certified counselors in your area can help you take the first step in getting a grip on your finances and they can help create a personalized plan and show you how to make educated decisions about your financial future. You are not alone. Let the NFCC help get you started. Call them at 800-388-2227 or visit DebtAdvice.org. That's 800-388-2227 or visit DebtAdvice.org. This has been a public service from the NFCC.
3: The Lansing Community College Foundation provide scholarships that make education possible, change students' lives, and uplift our community. Students may apply for scholarships November 1st through January 31st. Learn more at lcc.edu scholarships. LCC.
1: Connect.
4: Voices. Vibes. Vision. It's time for Inside LCC an inside look at Lansing Community College's academic programs. I'm Cassie Little, and we've got you covered with programs that nourish creativity and exploration, cultivate your purpose, and guide you to your career. Listen as we explore some of the opportunities at LCC, and learn from conversations with faculty members, staff, and students. Hello, welcome back to Inside LCC. I'm Cassie Little. I'm excited to be here with my guest today, Shelly Jeltema. Welcome, Shelly. Oh, thanks for having me, Cassie. Yeah, so Shelley is here with the CIT, which is Computer Information Technology and uh, Geospatial Sciences programs, as an assistant professor. Right? Did I yes. get all that right? Yeah, okay, get all that right. Perfect, um, Shelley. I also heard that sometimes you might be called the drone queen. Is that
5: true? That is also true.
4: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I can't wait to hear more about that. So, I guess to start out, can you tell us a little bit about that program, what you do? I guess a
5: little bit of an elevator pitch. Well, we have a 21 credit certificate at the moment for um, becoming a certified, FAA certified drone pilot. Wow. And then learning how to fly. Commercially, for things like cinematography and real estate, uh, public safety, um, agriculture is coming into the mix, building and construction, surveying, just about anything you could use a drone for, we are teaching students how to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know a few people who use drones
4: for photography, and you mentioned real estate, real estate photography Mm -hmm. as well. Um, I'm excited to hear about some of these other ways that you can use the drone because I know some people use them just for fun, right, in their spare time. But to know that, you know, how many jobs are out there and, and what opportunities there are is really cool. So you did say, I think, some of the degrees and certificates offered in your area. If there's anything else you want to mention, uh, we can definitely talk about those. But what are some examples of the kind of jobs that you could get in this area? So you mentioned some of those, but can you expand a little bit, like agriculture is something upcoming or anything else like that?
5: Well, we have people using drones over at Michigan Department of Transportation. They are using them to do the surveys for the road beds and other road-related things. They also use them for bridge inspections. Mm. Then Michigan State Police, as well as county and local police departments, are using drones for finding missing people and also going into places that might not be safe for humans to go into like burnt-out buildings yeah, and, and things like that. Then you've also got the construction trades where they will go and be able to survey building sites. They can actually fly inside and check to see if the dimensions of the buildings are to spec or not. One of my favorites is actually doing movies, and people often will ask, well, geez, Like home movies, no. As in like Fast and Furious movies and box office hits, a lot of that is being filmed by drones now.
4: Yeah, when I think about, I mean, when I see some of those shots in movies, I always am like, is this a helicopter that they're flying? You know, in some (laughs) of the older movies. Um, But I think a lot more of that is going to be drones. Is the main goal of a drone, or the main, I guess, not goal but purpose, is it that they can? video and take pictures, or did they do anything else besides that?
5: Some of the work that I've done when I was at um, Environment and Great Lakes and Energy for the state of Michigan, we actually put um, chemical sensors on drones, and we were able to test for certain environmental chemicals. We also did a project where we researched being able to detect gas leaks from natural gas pipelines, then newer technology or newer uses is to uh, deliver like medications. So when this gets to be a bigger thing in the United States, a hospital would be able to send out um, the required blood in an accident and paramedics that are on the scene could start treatment right away instead of having to wait for them to get back to the hospital. Wow.
4: That is kind of crazy to think about, but uh, it does sound like that's where it's going. Right. Um, And that's so interesting because I think a lot of us, I mean, like I said, I thought, you know, when I think of drones, I think of photos from above, but to know that they have all of those capabilities and are being used that way, is really cool.
1: It is. It is.
4: Um, So for the students in the program um, and the degrees and certificates offered in your area, do most of those students, or maybe not most of them, but are they able to work after graduating from LCC or do they mostly want to transfer to continue their education first at a four-year university?
5: At this point right now, we had planned for students to be able to go out and get jobs without necessarily having to go to a four-year university. Um, We are still on the cutting edge and we are on the cutting edge with places like um, Ohio State University, Utah State University.
4: Okay, nice. So
5: we're on the cutting edge with them as far as drones are concerned. And they're not going to a four-year at this point. You're going to get some kind of an aviation degree as opposed to being an expert in flying a drone.
4: Yeah, Awesome. Okay. So lots of opportunities then. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about the programs and the jobs, but can you give us an example? I like asking about an example of like maybe one class that a student would take and the things they'd be doing in that class, or, you know, maybe a, a chunk of classes, something like that.
5: Well, we do have our pilot certification prep class where they will learn pretty much how to fly drones, how to read aviation maps, which is really a challenge in and of itself. And at the end of the class, you take an exam and you can earn your Federal Aviation Administration Part 107 commercial drone license. Oh, my God. So you can actually say, I'm a pilot. Yeah. Wow. I never thought of it like that. (laughs) And then the classes that I teach, I actually teach how to do the roof inspections, how to um, photograph an uh, accident scene, and every class we do a search and rescue mission where we coordinate with the LCC Police Department and the um, Fire Academy, and we will create a scenario where one of their fire dummies manages to get lost on campus, mm. and my students actually have to go find them using the drone. Wow. So my classes are constantly out doing things. We have very little time where we're back in a classroom, you know, doing book work. There's, you know, the, the, any homework is all labs. It's hands-on labs out flying. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot different
4: than uh, your typical lecture classroom right sitting in a a chair and listening to the instructor lecture which I'm sure you know there's it's a balance sometimes there is that but I know that our police and fire academies you know have worked together over the years at our west campus doing some of those accident simulations and fire simulations Mm -hmm. so it's cool to know when there's a new program like the drones something up and coming to be able to add that into the mix and how it would be used in the real world.
5: And it is my goal to reach out to a lot of the different departments because it's not just the the academies that can use drones. Criminal justice and their digital evidence collection, I would love to get with some of the sciences where if they want to go and look at, like, biology, let's go f- look at what's in this lake. Yeah. And we can put a drone over it. So I'm trying to get our, you know, program out for everybody and sit there and say, no, we, we welcome everybody to come in and take advantage of what my students can do for them and how my students can learn. Then, you know, we also have the drone certificate stackable. So if you want to be a biology major, you can be that, you know, biology major and get a drone certificate. And I love the
4: collaboration across the different programs. But then also thinking of the flexibility of that, of getting that drone certification and working in anywhere from, I think you said soil testing and mm-hmm. um, with chemicals to criminal justice and or cinematography. There's so many options.
5: Yeah, there, And there are. Yeah. And, they're, and they're growing. This, I mean, I, I hate to uh, use a pun of... Yeah, it's the sky's the limit. Yeah. But right now <laughs> like that. we really have no limits on what we can do with this technology.
4: Yeah. So I want to make sure for your area kind of geospatial sciences and CIT, is it more than drones or is that kind of what the focus is right now?
5: It's actually more on the geospatial side. Okay. And because drones, yes, they're fun to fly. But unless you can handle the software and the IT end of it, once you fly and take all the videos and take all the pictures, all they are is pretty pictures until you start using the geospatial sciences to do the analysis, where we can, again, assess crop health just by looking at the video. We can assess the health of a lake just by taking videos and running it through software. They can tell, you know, is this a healthy lake? are there you know animals in this area we can count animals we can like i said do bridge inspections mm-hmm. without having to put somebody in danger of falling right. off the bridge right yeah they, the drone can get places that people can't,
4: can't right can't go absolutely yeah. but it's more than just flying it's being able to interpret right. what you found afterwards right right
5: it, and and that's it is like i said we can get a bunch of pictures But unless we have trained people that are behind the scenes analyzing that data, it's nothing, it will never get any further than a pretty picture.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. I think you said you're in the classroom, you're working with students a lot, right? Are there any stories that you have about your students or any classroom experiences or even your experience working in the field, background you have in the subject? I know you've shared a lot, which is really great
5: and I appreciate. The thing that always amazes me is they come into the class, the, my first class, and say, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to crash, and I'm going to crash a drone, and it's going to cost a lot, and it's going to cost, <laughs> and it's going to cost a lot, yeah, and I'm scared to death." Uh huh. I can imagine that. But then at the end of the semester, we will have like drone races. We'll we'll get out some of our fun drones and we'll have drone races. Wow. And the last nice day that we had said, oh my gosh, I got this drone up to 55 miles an hour and I didn't crash it. I'm like, of course you didn't crash it. I knew you weren't going to do that. (laughs) But then they realized that they actually, you know, were able to handle these machines that are literally thousands and thousands of dollars. And I see the growth and the, the satisfaction in that. And that's really cool for me. As far as my own, I was working Again, with Eagle, and we were doing a study, and one of our many tens of thousands of dollar drones just took off on us. Oh my gosh. And we were kind of close to the Detroit airport, and it was even more scary when I looked up and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a Delta Airlines plane. Uh, and I hope this is just an optical illusion and that we really are a long ways away from this Delta airline plane because I thought, you know, it's not good to ever hit anything in an airliner because they're not the most sturdiest of things when they get hit. It's a long ways up to fall. Yes. And I sat there and I'm thinking, I'm, my boss's $70,000 drone is going to crash yeah. into this airline. We weren't anywhere as near close to it. Yeah. We were able to get control of it back, but um the, the guy who was piloting it he was like i think i just need a break yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i think i need one too yeah that would be um, kind of crazy to see so it's it's always even when it's supposed to be the most routine of things it never is so if you like excitement if you like different things in a job and this is totally the the career path to look at yeah and I mean, that makes sense.
4: You you know, you know talked about the piloting license, which, again, I wouldn't think of with a drone, I guess, originally. But yeah, when you are you can be interacting with commercial airlines in the sky, probably pretty important.
5: <laughs> yeah, it, and it is. And even if you are flying just as a re- recreational person, you are supposed to have a recreational license. Mm-hmm. And they're free. You can get them online. There's 20 minutes to watch a video and probably... 20 minutes to take the test. Yeah, and that's another thing that our program does is we really promote community safety and community, you know, safe community drone usage. Mm -hmm. And we we offer programs throughout the year where we'll do specials and have the community come out and we'll help them fix their drones, get them up, get them flying. In the spring, we're going to take part of the FAA um, safety day, the last Saturday in. April, which is April 27th, we'll be holding um, free recreational certification classes. Oh, good. That's awesome.
4: Well, we will make sure to put that information in the show notes also or um, the place you can find more information about that. But cool. I love that. I think we covered a lot, um, but yeah. I want to make sure we can talk about anything else. Is there anything else you want to share about the program or anything you know that people might want to know?
5: Well, like I said, we welcome All the majors here at LCC, we can find a way to use a drone in just about everything that is offered at LCC. And it is definitely, like I said, can be on top of your actual degree program. And for our final Capstone um, project and Capstone class, we work with your program to find a meaningful project for students to be working on.
4: That's cool. And
5: enhances their actual, you know, their main degree.
4: Well, Shelly, you might see me in a class because you've got me pumped up. That sounds really cool. The last question I have is what excites you most about your field? That can be, I know it's a big question, so that can be today. (laughs) What
5: excites you most about your field? I always wanted to be a pilot of of an airplane Mm -hmm. and that just never quite worked out, but being a pilot of a drone is almost as good. And I, again, just, I love the variety. I love all the different things that I can do with this. And I absolutely love being able to share my experience and share my knowledge with my students and watching them grow and become more confident and more knowledgeable in what they're doing. That's great.
4: Thank you, Shelly, so much for being here today. We will put notes in the show notes at lccconnect.org so everyone who is interested can learn more, maybe reach out to become a part of the program. Thanks, Shelly. Well, thank you for having me. I was really glad to be here today. Yeah. This has been Inside LCC. I'm Cassie Little, and if there's a specific degree and program you want to hear more about, let us know by contacting us at lccconnect.org. Thanks for taking a listen, Inside LCC.
0: This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org.
2: LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.